mind travel never had the name mind travel till you know till i started doing it publicly it was my own personal practice for so many years and you know when i did it for myself i didn't have to have a name to it it was just what i did to take me somewhere to open up this kind of space so you know i describe it as these transporting experiences that i deliver musically um, for me it's about moving people to purpose and healing through music Welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss. And before we dive in to this week's phenomenal conversation, I want to take a little bit of time to talk about the last week. I've been spending a lot of time thinking about my role, about Seek the Joy's role in shaping conversations around race and inclusivity, our role in supporting our communities educating ourselves, being a better ally, and really continuing to use this platform to amplify voices that are too often ignored or silenced altogether, and then continuing to share those stories and voices with the world. From day one, this has been my mission and my passion with this podcast, and I feel like in some ways I have done that, and in other ways I've fallen short. I'll be the first one to own up to my own mistakes and things that I have been blind to and things that I have been privileged to. But with that being said, this is not about me. It's about the podcast and this community and sharing conversations that are important to have that are diverse and inclusive and reflect what's really going on in the world. And so what I know for sure after really paying attention and listening this past week is that We can't actually come together in community. We can't explore our passions and our joys. We can't grow in moments of difficulty, adversity, and challenge if we don't really talk about what's going on in the world. We can have conversations that are difficult, that challenge us, and ask us to explore real-world situations. And through those conversations, we can find greater joy. We can explore their impact and talk about real change while still providing a space for joy, inspiration, and empowerment. So I don't know about you, but I'm really excited to keep moving forward, to keep learning and growing together and having powerful and impactful conversations because joy can and does exist at the same time as hardship, challenge, deep inner growth, and learning. We're going to continue to come together right here every Tuesday to do our part in making this country and this world a better place by sharing one powerful story at a time. Okay, so let's do it. Let's dive in to this week's new episode on the podcast this week is Murray Hittery. He's a multidisciplinary artist, tech pioneer, composer, and the founder of Mind Travel. Murray's purpose-driven approach is at the heart of everything that he does, and I'm so excited to share this week's new episode with you because there are so many beautiful lessons and moments and wisdom that Murray shares that can be applied to all of our lives. And so in this week's new episode, we talk about Murray's journey with music, music as a powerful language for expression, healing, and emotion, and how he's moving people to greater purpose in their lives through music. 
we talk about mind travel, the inspiration behind his transformative, immersive musical experience, and the deeper levels of consciousness he's been able to tap into through this practice. Plus, Murray shares his insights from quarantine, his top tips for connecting your passion with your purpose, the most impactful lessons that he's taken from music, how to hold space for our emotions, and so much more. I am so excited to share this week's new episode with you guys and make sure to join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere. If you're enjoying the show, follow on Spotify, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and leave us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Music is healing and transformative, and this conversation could not come at a better time. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Murray Hittery of Mind Travel. Yeah, so first of all, thank you for having me, Sydney, on your uh, podcast. Excited yeah, to be here. I'm really excited and, for uh, today. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And um, yeah, music. I mean, it's uh, been with me since I can remember. Uh, my earliest memories uh, are, you know, have music to do with them. I was about five years old when my uh, parents introduced me to music. And uh, I, my first instrument was the cello. And I had a tiny little cello starting out when I was five years old in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I picked up the piano at six. So I played both those instruments growing up. And by the time I got to high school, Um, I knew that I wanted to be a composer. It was very clear to me. And I felt like I had my own thing to say with music. Music became a very powerful language for expression for me, even as a little kid. Um, I was a very shy kid. I was, you know, someone that just had a very vast inner kind of imagination, inner world. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was more difficult for me to express that with words than uh, with music. Music just provided this incredible soundtrack to this whole inner landscape of how I viewed things and how I felt about things. Um, so it became a very important kind of language for me. And and being a composer is really about expressing, you know, through music, your, your own voice, um, your own storytelling, your own whatever you have to say. And uh, of course, over, over the years, it became more and more, you know, sophisticated of a language for me. And then by the time I got to university, that's um, I formally studied to be a classical composer. I love what you just shared about music as a form of expression and music as a way to tell stories. Because I think when we're just, you know, listening to music or Spotify on shuffle or whatever it might be, we don't always listen to the lyrics of that type of music and realize, okay, a story is being shared, but in a more classical form of music, it's such a powerful form of expression that I don't think a lot of us think about it that way. Yeah. I think, you know, if you look at almost any art form, um, whether it's, you know, music, playing an instrument, whether it's being a composer, whether it's being a sculptor, a dancer, a painter, whatever art form it is, there's many people that have, you know, skills in those fields. Mm-hmm. But what separates, you know, someone who plays an instrument, for instance, or can draw well from being, you know, a great artist? You know, we look through history, right? What made the great artists the great artists? Was it only their technique? Well, I'm sure there were other people during those times that they lived that had equal, if not sometimes better technique, you know, specifically. But it was more a question of what those artists, you know, had to say 
through their work. You know, you take someone like Van Gogh and you look at, yes, he had a new way of seeing, um, but his technique, if you put him side by side with another painter of that time, um, was probably on par, you know, with, with mm-hmm. painters of his, of his time, but he had a whole inner world he was ready to express. And that's what showed up on the canvas. He was storytelling right through painting. And I think we look at musicians and composers throughout history. The great ones are the ones that, yes, they were technically skilled, of course, but through the technical skill, they were able to storytell mm-hmm. and specific to their time, right, in, you know, in the world, in their era. Um, and we were all put in that position, right? There's always something to share in our moment, um, in our time. And so for me, I do my best to share kind of my perspectives, my understanding of the universe, of the world, um, kind of bridging my own individual perception with kind of a collective kind of grandness, um, kind of a cosmic, you know, nature to it. Uh, and the music acts as this bridge between the two of my mm-hmm. own personal inner world and this vast, infinite um, external world. I would love to talk to you a little bit more about that because I think this element of expression with music and bridging your in own individual perspective with that of the greater consciousness or, or the universe or whatever it might be. What has that looked like for you? What has that felt like for you? And do you feel like music has allowed you to reach those deeper levels of expression or consciousness for you? Yeah, what has that mm-hmm. been like? I mean, ever since I could remember Sydney, I would, you know, as a little kid, I would just stare up at the stars like so many of us when we're kids, you know, and, and even adults and just mm-hmm. kind of wonder at the vastness of it all. And our place in it. And, um, I, I was intrigued by that as a, as a very, you know, young kid. And, um, I got into, you know, physics and I got into, uh, Eastern philosophy and I just kind of jumped into and absorbed and read and took in as much as I could to just gain a deeper understanding from different perspectives, right. From the perspective of science, understanding, well, you know, how, does this universe operate? Um, and understanding, you know, things like, you know, Einstein's theories and just the, the, the elements of the forces of nature that are not really visible or accessible to us, right? When we think about the fundamental nature, for instance, of quantum physics, we don't have any access to mm-hmm. the nature of the quantum realm, but we could understand it from a perspective of math and science and, you know, conceptualization. Um, uh, To a certain degree, it's still absolutely mind-blowing. Eastern philosophy, meditation, um, these these, uh, kind of notions of this interconnected kind of energy, um, understanding that from a different perspective. And then how do I translate that, you know, through music? When I look at the, the, the stars, how can I translate through music this notion this very real notion that the stuff that makes me up, right? Every mm. molecule, every atom, every subatomic particle within those atoms at some point came from some exploded star billions of years, mm-hmm. you know, traveling through space and time. How can I capture that like profound notion? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I certainly have a hard time doing it with words, but with music, somehow it grasps this 
infinite nature of, of that continuity, of, of that interconnection. I, I agree. I mean, how can you really capture that with words, but you've been able to do it with music. And it's interesting how music has become, it sounds like this very meditative experience for you and has allowed you to just to dive in and to tap in and to, to share what it is that you are perceiving and feeling and experiencing, um, in any mm-hmm. given moment. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, music, has really been my companion. I think of, you know, that's the word that occurs to me right now. Mm-hmm. It's really been my, my companion through all the trials and tribulations of life. That's really the first place I turn to is music um, in both the joyous times as well as the very difficult times. And um, I've certainly, you know, found solace in music you know, during the most difficult times, um, you know, if you look at some of the most challenging times a human being can go through, right, would be, you know, profound grief of a very, very close, you know, some, you know, someone you love so closely, mm-hmm. um, that would be, you know, a very challenging time. Uh, there are many other types of challenging times, of course, as well, that people go through. Um, for me, it was the, the death of my sister uh, years ago. And again, the words completely failed me. I didn't have words uh, to express it. I could express through words what happened. I can express through words, you know, certain elements of it, but the deep pain of of going through that was just ineffable. Mm-hmm. I, I just didn't I just didn't have the words for it. Uh, so I would sit at the piano and I would just play what I felt in that moment. And so music, you know, music is a temporal art form. Right? It only exists in the moment in which you're actually doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, of course, we could record it. Okay, we know that. Yes, we, of course, you could record it. Right. But in terms of the, the notion of music itself, it exists and then it, it disappears. It just ripples out, right? Sound waves. So it, moment by moment, it's, a, it's really a, an art form that only persists in the present moment, moment by moment, as it unveils. And that's how, for me, it's become this meditative practice, this practice where I sit at the piano and I just do my best to, to be as present as possible as I play each note, as the song unveils. And that's primarily why I improvise at the piano. All my concerts and how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of concerts I've done each one is a unique improvisation. I call it a real-time composition. Um, basically, it means from first note to last note, which could be upwards of an hour plus, is uninterrupted. And I really don't know exactly what I'm going to play when I sit down you know, at each concert. And there could be thousands of people in the audience. And I just, I'm like, okay, let's see what comes out. Let's see where we go. And we all go on that yeah. journey together, you know? So that, you know, that's the, when we talk about meditation, when we talk about, um, these ideas, like, what are we really aspiring to? Like, what's mm-hmm. the purpose of it? You know, sure, we can talk about the benefits of reducing stress and anxiety, and that those are all, of course, very important and and critical to functioning well as a human being. But there's also kind of a, a greater opportunity, right, to to really drop into the present moment and open up such a vast field of possibility that can exist when we're not um, lost in the past or lost in the future. Uh, because when we're in those places, 
Uh, of course, we can't be then in the present moment. And where does life happen? Life happens in the present moment. Mm-hmm. So I don't know anyone whose life happens in the past and, and the life doesn't happen in the future. It happens in the present moment. So no one else, no, I haven't seen anyone who hacked that one. So, <laughs> no, it's true. And I think remembering to ground yourself in that present moment can be especially difficult when there is so much going on, whether that's um, in your personal life or in the world at large. And you and I are recording right now. Um, I would say we're in the middle. I don't even know if we're in the middle yet of this global pandemic. And so the ability to ground yourself in that present moment, I think, um, feels sometimes even more aspirational than even realistic. Mm-hmm. And so if anyone yeah. is listening and, and they want to work on that for themselves and figure out, you know, okay, how can I remain in that present moment? Um, mm-hmm. whether that's through using music or meditation, where, where would be a really good place for them to start? Well, you know, the most important element of all this is to be in the listening, mm-hmm. right? To open up a space of profound and deep listening. Now, that could be in a conversation with a friend. Um, uh, we can experience that. It could be in nature, just being in complete silence and just listening to nature. There's incredible lessons in, in all of that. Music, for me, and I invite you know, everyone to try it. I mean, and again, I mean, not all music is created equal. Some, you know, I, I kind of uh, liken music to uh, food in a way. Mm-hmm. Some music is, you know, is sustaining like an entree, you know, a very healthy, delicious meal that will give you the right nutrients. And other, you know, other music is like, um, you know, it's like dessert and Mm -hmm. we love dessert. We want dessert. It's delicious. Um, but if you had it all the time, you'd, you know, get sick. Totally. Yeah. um, So I, I kind of, you know, and so there's, there's music for all occasions. You know, I try to create music that really satisfi- satisfies the soul, that really is the soundtrack to the soul is what, what many people have uh, called it. And there it's about being in the listening. Now, you don't have to be the one playing um, like I do to have the same experience, to be able to be in deep listening um, and see what emerges. You know, Sydney, the mind is like, um, I, I liken it to, you know, like an iceberg where only about 10% is above the surface, visible mm-hmm. and accessible, right? Most of the iceberg is below the surface of the water. And the mind is the same. It operates in the same way. Um, so much of our mind is inaccessible to us. It's the subconscious, right? It's the unconscious. And so how do we gain more access to a larger portion of of our, of our brains, of our minds, of how we think, of what we think. And we need to open space for that and be in the listening of that. Mm-hmm. So music is an extremely powerful way to do that because once you create that space, the music, and especially the music that I do, um, is really engineered for that. And it opens up through the patterns and through the structure of it. Mm-hmm. It creates that uh, space for blossoming. I would love to talk a little bit more about the music that you do create because you really invite your audience to experience your music through a very immersive experience through mind travel. So I would love to talk to you about what mind travel is, what people can expect um, when they join one of your silent walks or silent hikes. And yeah, so let's talk a little bit about what mind travel is. So first of all, mind travel never had the name mind travel till, you know, till I started doing it publicly. It was my own personal practice for oh, so wow. many years. That's awesome. And, you know, when I did it for myself, I didn't have to have a name to it. It was just what I did 
to take me somewhere to open up this kind of space. So, you know, I describe it as these transporting experiences that I deliver musically. Um, for me, it's about moving people to purpose and healing through music. So they have different formats to them. These are, you know, actual experiences that we, we take people through, very immersive. Um, some of them are, for instance, out in nature, where we'll have hundreds, if not thousands of people um, at a beach, like Santa Monica Beach or in Central Park in New York. These iconic outdoor nature-based spaces um, where people are welcome to kind of move around, um, explore, and they're all wearing wireless headphones. Hmm. So they get to experience the music directly, intimately. I'm playing live um, directly to the headphones, and then they get to explore movement. And the, the whole experience is very freeing because they're not kind of stuck in their seat, so to speak. Um, you, you'll see people in the, in the ocean up to their waist in, in, wow. in the ocean with the headphones on, just, just connecting so deeply um, through music. And, um, we then took it the next step and said, well, what if we actually went on not just a metaphorical journey through music, but a, a physical one as well. Mm -hmm. So with the headphones on, we go on these silent hikes and silent walks. Uh, these are through some of the most beautiful parks in all of our cities, um, in the mountains, you know, wherever, um, you know, we can do it in these different geographies. And we've had hundreds of people go on these collective, you know, mass walks and everyone is in complete silence. There's no speaking. And I'm guiding the experience through my voice, poetry, spoken word and music. And they become these collective experiences where the individual and the collective kind of mm -hmm. merge into one. What a powerful experience. So are you also, you're also playing the music in the background too, in addition to the spoken word and the meditation that you share? Yeah. On the walks, since we're actually walking in some cases, many miles for, you know, oh, wow. uh, could be upwards of two hours. Um, in that case, I use recordings of my work that I curate specifically to that landscape. So I will step out and walk these landscapes, you know, prior to the actual event. And then I will curate the music so that it matches the arc of the landscape that we're in. If there's, you know, a water element like a lake or an ocean, I might use a certain track, right, that that evokes that. Then yeah. if I'm in the mountains or, you know, in a more urban landscape or, or, or what have you. So, I, you know, at this point, I have so many um, recordings and, and so much composed music available to me that I mix and match it or I'll create something new for it. That's, that's really amazing. And it sounds like a really uh, wonderful experience and transformative in that moment. And I love how you shared that it really does combine that element of an individual experience, but also being in community because you're doing it together. What has the impact been to see people experience mind travel? What has the impact mm -hmm. been on you? Yeah. I mean, one of the most surprising things when um, I, I remember doing my first tour of this experience, especially the silent walk and silent hike experience, mm -hmm. one of the most uh, impactful elements of it that was surprising to me was I knew I was going out there and going to dozens and dozens of cities, sharing this experience to bring that feeling of connection, you know, to so many thousands of people. But, you know, at the end of each of these events, we put the group into a massive circle. Sometimes, I mean, I remember once in, I think it was in Pittsburgh, it took up an entire soccer field. Um, that's how many people there wow. were, hundreds and hundreds of people. So ima imagine, imagine everyone in a huge <laughs> circle side by side, right? And um, and then we we spent the last, you know, 15 minutes or so where everyone 
got to share a word or a phrase of what they wanted to create in their lives and how they were feeling. Mm-hmm. And we literally took the microphone and went around with hundreds of people. And you know, it just takes a, a quick moment for each person to state their name and to state what they're creating for themselves. And it was an opportunity for people to be seen and to be heard. Mm-hmm. And most people um, in their daily lives are not necessarily fully seen and fully heard within their families, within their you know careers, their work environment. Um, and the idea is to give them that platform to be seen and be heard. And I'll go, I'll go around these circles and I get to look in everyone's eyes as they you know, share a piece of themselves. And by the end of that circle, Sydney, I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I can imagine. <laughs> I'm like, you know, they got me every time. Yeah. I mean, transformative both for you and healing for you, but also obviously for everyone that participates. That's right. And, and, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it, it brings up in me so much healing of, you know, when you go through profound, deep grief, um, you know, like so many of us do at some point, uh, you know, you're never over it. It's, it's always a part of you and you, you know, you learn to live with it, um, in different, you know, ways at, at different times in different scales. And so something like that kind of, it reaches down to the depths of where there still might be bits and pieces of that grief mm-hmm. and it brings it to the surface and it transforms it and heals it. It's just so wonderful. And, um, I, I really am grateful for, for that to, to all these people that provide that, uh, for me. Yeah. I've found so often that it's our own experiences that all often inform what we create, the businesses that we start, the impact that we want to have, whatever it might be. But we don't always go into those creations really knowing or realizing just the deep impact that it's going to have on us and the deep level of healing that it's going to have on our own journey. And so mind travel was based upon your own practice that you had. Um, at what point though, did you realize, okay, I want to share this with more people? Um, obviously you were probably experiencing its own transformative effects on yourself, right? And then, yeah, so at what point did you decide, like, okay, I need to share this? Yeah, that's exactly right. After after using it in my own life so profoundly, um, as I mentioned, you know, specifically getting through the grief of my younger sister and how tragically that all happened. And it wasn't just the grief of it, but also the trauma of what I experienced um, having, you know, been at the accident where, you know, she was mm-hmm. killed. So, you know, it, it just, it was a lot to unpack and to work through emotionally and on so many levels. And when I saw how uh, powerfully it helped me get through that, I said, you know what, I really do need to share this with others and maybe it can help someone else going through something similar. And that was the, that was the turning point for me. You know, I had, I had another parallel career I was in. I was in the technology world creating, you know, companies and technologies that were, you know, super fun and super cool. But I realized that that wasn't my ultimate legacy, that mm-hmm. when I looked back on my life, whenever that would be, years and years from now, hopefully, and I looked back on my life and I said, okay, what did I contribute? You know, what, what did I do here during this time? Mm-hmm. While, while the tech stuff was awesome and cool, I didn't feel like it defined me as like, here I, you know, here's what I you know, did as a human being. Um, it was a chapter. It was a piece of the story. But I didn't think it was the whole story, certainly. Yeah. And I felt like sharing my music and um, being of service in that way um, really, really was that deeper calling. And it wasn't enough at that point to just 
create that for myself, I felt like I had to uh, shift to being of service, sharing, and always improving myself. And by doing that, helping others as well, kind of this co-elevation, if you will. So interesting how you have really found not only your passion, but also your purpose. And I'm thinking about what you shared earlier about really the mission and purpose behind Mind Travel is to move people um, through music to their purpose, to their passion, to their inspiration, to that deeper sense of self-healing for themselves. It's really compelling and interesting just how you've really found what lights you up and what I guess you could say brings you joy and, and makes you realize and feel like, okay, what I'm doing has purpose and impact and it's part of a greater a greater legacy that way. Absolutely. And and I think to do that, it's not just like, okay, okay, you know, for me, people might say, well, Murray, you knew that you were into music because you started at five years old and, and you know, sure. Yeah. But um, there's something deeper to one's purpose than than the what, you know, than mm-hmm. the, the action, right? Yeah. Um, it's really like, what are the driving values um, that have formed within you that you're actually expressing those values through what we call the passion, right? Which is the action, mm-hmm. uh, the, the vocation, the skill, the, you know, the, the, whatever it is that you're doing it through, whether it's, you know, being a doctor or being a parent um, or being a sculptor or being a musician, whatever your passion is, there's an underlying value that's driving it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, again, for the ones who are really saying something like we started out this conversation with, right? You're, if you're trying to say something, you're trying to communicate something, um, you're not just sitting there doing something technically impressive. You're saying, I actually want to, I want to transmit something to yeah. make a difference in someone. And for me, that's always been this deeper value of connection um, and connecting you know, people with themselves and with others and connecting all of us with this grander universe and, and kind of collapsing this notion of separation. So that grand illusion of separation is, I think, in the way of so much, um, it, 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 it's what informs so much of the suffering uh, mm-hmm. that people have. So yeah. th- there's a much deeper underlying value than just, you know, oh, I'm passionate about playing music. Well, I'm passionate about playing music because it's the conduit, it's the medium through which I can affect connection. Mm-hmm. And affect change and have an impact. And I always, right. I found this for myself in that everything that I've always been excited about or passionate about or felt joy from was a puzzle piece in my greater puzzle, if that makes sense, like a stepping stone to the next. Sure. And often you don't know, you know, why, why you loved music at five. You didn't know uh, the yeah. same way, you know, I didn't know why I went to law school and then it brought me to something else. And so for anyone, I th- I've always said this to myself and to my friends and on the podcast is you may not know the purpose of what you're experiencing in that given moment. You may not know why this, this thing brings you joy. You may not know why You're excited to sign up for that class. But when you put all the pieces together, it makes sense. And that's so much of what our lives, I think, are about. Absolutely. And, you know, for those, I know I speak to so many people who are like, well, I don't know my purpose. You know, Mm -hmm. how do I figure out my purpose is? Well, one of the things I say to that is don't even focus on the on the on the on the purpose and the passion. You know, don't don't even don't even focus on that. Because that's, in a sense, that's almost a distraction. It has to emerge um, naturally. And what I do encourage people to focus on is that underlying causal value, mm. right? It's like, 
what are the values that are important to you as a human being on this planet right now, right? What drives you? What excites you um, from a value point of view? And like I said, for me, one of them is connection. Then I can actually trace back why that is. Um, so there's work that could be done to actually unpack and unfold that and unveil that. Mm-hmm. Once we get in touch with those deeper values, see then, see like with, with the technology world, I was able to thrive there because, yeah, it wasn't music, but I was building technologies, Sydney, that connected people mm-hmm. with each other. Mm-hmm. So, Brought people so together, I was, yeah. I was still expressing my value in a totally different realm, right? Totally different. But still expressing but it, yeah. Still expressing it. I was still in touch with it. I woke up in the morning and I was still in touch with it. Now, too many days go by and you're not in touch with it. That's when you feel like you're just lost at sea in your life, mm-hmm. yeah. right? You're just not. You're just not on point in your life. And and you know, and okay, we we all get there at different times. We have to course correct. You know, that's what I would say is is dig down to that value. And it's back to that iceberg idea, right? Where mm-hmm. so much of these values are not conscious. They're driving us. We may not even know what's driving us. So it's in that, you know, part of the iceberg that's beneath the surface of the ocean and just like our mind. And we have to surface it. We have to let it rise up. And we to do that, we need to, you know, do some real listening, some real inquiry, some real self-inquiry. Uh, maybe it's helpful to have a coach or have a therapist or, you know, it, it's it's good to do that in collaboration as well. But you can do that, you know, on your own with, with various exercises. Yeah, I agree. And I think everything that you shared is so timely, especially for what we're going through right now, I think as a collective, as a wider yeah. global community. I love what you shared earlier about this notion of collapsing separation, because I think now more than ever, we're, we're searching for a sense of community. We're looking for that connection. Um, I think hungrier for it now more than ever. And so when you begin to listen more, both to yourself and to others, and whether that be through talking, music, uh, writing, any form of expression, I do, I have found for me at least that it does collapse that sense of separation. Have you found that for yourself too? I have. I mean, I, um, you know, I'm so moved by the global kind of human response to this, right? Which, you know, the most effective way to fight this battle against this virus is to actually collectively separate. <laughs> it's wild, right? The it's irony like, of it, right? The irony of it. It's yeah. Like, you know, to, like, but we're all doing this in unison, right? Mm-hmm. It's just such a powerful idea. Yeah. Um, and it's so simple, yet so effective, right? And, um, and at the same time, there's this quieting of the whole planet that has taken place. I, I mean, I read an article about how seismologists, right, the people that track earthquakes, they've actually used their measurement devices to literally um, uh, show measurements about how our cities and our whole planet has quieted down vibrationally. It's really amazing. Like the it's images, wild. everything. It's, yeah. it's really wild. Yeah. So yeah. this quieting, right? And, um, and, and then it got me to think about another idea. It seems, it seems disconnected, but I'll, I'll, I'll show you the connection in a second. Like think about most people that have their pets, right? They have dogs or cats or, you know, birds, whatever animals, mm-hmm. fish they have. They're not speaking with them in conversation, right? I mean, well, you know, I mean, maybe some you are. You can but, try. <laughs> but, right. It's usually a one-way conversation. Yeah, totally. Right? Um, but here's the thing. The love that people have, the love we have for our animals, 
is a love that is like a transcendent love, right? It's just so powerful. I mean, most of us will love our animals more than people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, That's you know, it, it's so deep. It goes so deep because uh, there's, there's some, like, it's a connection that transcends our ability to communicate with the animal on a normal level. And there's something about that unspoken relationship, that quiet space between beings that opens up the space for an even deeper love Mm. than the love that we get by saying, hey, I love you, right? Or I care about you and I adore you. And yes, that's important in our relationships to have, but there's something even more on a substrate level, this tectonic love, right? That, Mm -hmm. uh, we can actually see with, with animals um, where we're not in that conversation with them. They're not telling us they love us. You know, they, it's, it's a whole different level. And now we have so many billions of people and we're not able to communicate and, and share. Um, like there's no body language communication anymore because we're not with each other, right? There's mm-hmm. not so much of this is now in just this quietude. And it just, it just very profound to me that I feel more connected with humanity now when I'm physically separated from humanity. Hmm. That's what I just find really cool. That's so fascinating because I think, I think technology plays a huge role in that feeling of connection right now. And thank goodness Mm -hmm. for that level of technology. But I also think what you just shared is so beautiful and so profound is that when you actually take a step back and you look at the ways in which we can communicate and connect and we don't, and even if we're not physically right in the same room, there's still that level of connection and that, um, resonance that we have with one another. And the fact that, I mean, everyone keeps saying this, but we really are, we really are all in this together. And the fact that we are all isolating and social distancing and self quarantining, you know, on our own Mm -hmm. for the greater good of the the larger community and the larger planet, I think it speaks volumes. It's, it's very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. You have, you know, so many people in acts of selflessness um, you know, because, you know, some people, they, you know, they may not have um, family members or, you know, that people they know that are older anymore that are, you know, maybe they don't, they, maybe they, they don't have that. So it's not yeah. directly about them, you know, and their loved ones. But people are able at the same time in, in history now all come together in this selfless, selfless acts. And it's, it's just it's beautiful to watch. It really is. During this time or just in general, do you have a mantra or a quote or an affirmation um, that you hold on to that has helped you through difficult times and, and helped you persevere? Mm. You know, one that's come up for me um, is, is one of my favorite quotes. And it's, it's both simultaneously been attributed to both Mozart and to Debussy, the French composer. But mm. I, I think all composers get this, no matter, you know, who. Uh, this idea that music is the space between the notes. And it's it's uh, an idea that is certainly true in music, right? But the idea that we can metaphorically apply that to life, um, mm. where when when we, you know, if we lead a life that is constantly on the move, um, going from one meeting to the next, from one event to the next, from, you know, and, and think about how much of our lives were like that. Mm-hmm. You know, what if you what if you looked at our, you know, iCal, our calendars, you know, on our phones or on our computers, you know, prior to the coronavirus. You'd probably see, you know, from morning till night, 
a pretty packed calendar, you know, sometimes even in 15 minute increments, you know, from thing to thing, call to call, meeting to meeting, picking up the kids, you know, whatever you're doing. And now you look at the calendar and I bet you it's mostly empty space for many people, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, you know, unless we have the spaces between all these events uh, to reflect and be grateful for them, are we really living? Is there really music in our lives or is it just a lot of noise? And that's really the, the I think, point of that quote, right? Mm-hmm. That we create these spaces between the notes, between the notes being these beautiful soundings of our mm-hmm. life, uh, mm-hmm. breaks of our life. And yeah. so that, that's, you know, I think that's a beautiful one. And right now we're all in a beautiful kind of space, a rest, right? A, a musical, mm-hmm. kind of a musical rest, right? Just, and it just gives us that reflection, that ability to reflect on the vibration. And then collectively, that's the music. Yeah, those spaces in between and that opportunity for reflection, I think, um, is always really important and has been important in my life. But I think right now we're in sort of a collective pause in that way where there is greater opportunity to have those, those moments and those spaces for reflection. And speaking of reflection, are there lessons that you can share, um, that you've really gained from music that might be of comfort to people, I think during, during this time? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple, um, there's a couple that come to mind. The first is, you know, as a pianist, uh, especially when I improvise, um, you know, I hit a note on the piano and then I then listen to it, right? It, it, the, the hammer, the key hits the hammer, the hammer hits the string and the string then vibrates and I, I absorb that vibration. And then that informs my reaction to the next note, right? And then I play the next note mm-hmm. and I create this feedback loop, right? Note after note. Well, really, that's a metaphor uh, for life where we have a constant relationship between action and reaction. And typically, when life happens, we have an instant reaction. But if we're able to insert even the slightest space or pause before we hit the next note of life, right, before we react, we can then react with deeper choice. Mm-hmm. And so that's the, the, one of the greatest lessons of music for me is that I have to fully listen to what's coming at me, right? The sound that I'm hearing to then play the next note and have it make sense and mm-hmm. have it be appropriate, have it kind of build and contribute and create. Um, and it's the same thing in life. Are we actually listening to what's kind of coming at us um, or are we just kind of reacting to it conditionally. So that's a really powerful kind of construct because with mm-hmm. everything happening, it seems to all be coming at us so fast and and in many cases so painfully. So it's easy to react right out of fear. It's easy to react um, and push it away as opposed to listen to it, absorb it, create a little space, and then act from choice. You know, I, I wrote a, a piece just recently about these uh, disparate feelings that I was having. I was on the one hand, you know, feeling, um, some of the darker emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my aunt, um, succumbed to COVID-19 just about a week ago. Oh, I'm even, so sorry. You know, thank you. Thank you. But, you know, she was, uh, you know, in New York and, and, you know, she died in the hospital, um, mm-hmm. without her family around her. Right. Of course, as, as, uh, everyone who's going through that is uh, forced to do. And, um, you know, so it took me to some darker emotions there and, yeah. uh, and at the same time, you know, with this space and time, I've been immersing myself in music and have had 
some of the most deeply profound expansions of consciousness with my music and mm. have created and I've had such such uh, like almost ecstasy and feelings of the sublime and and just appreciation of beauty and joy on such a deep level as well and you know I think that there's an opportunity to hold space for all of it um, we can simultaneously feel some of that darkness um, some of that pain and not try to shift it too quickly um, like feel it through Mm-hmm. And at, and at the same time, see, appreciate, and absorb the beauty that exists simultaneously. And we don't have to feel like we have to go one or the other. A lot of times, our darker emotions tend to kind of put shadow on the light, and um, uh, you know, if we allow it. But I think we can hold space for both. And then, when the darker emotions dissipate and dissolve, when those ripples kind of ease, we can, mm-hmm. you know, allow more of the light. In. Yeah. It's that, that element of duality of life. There's this, these highs and these moments of celebration and, and then you have these darker moments and there's grief and trauma and loss. And I love what you just shared about the light in the dark. And I think it's about being, when you are in those darker moments, still allowing your light and the light to shine through. And it sounds like you've been able to do that through your music um, and through expressing yourself in that way. And, you know, music as a, as a language, you know, we started out talking about that. It's, mm-hmm. it's this incredible language of feeling and, and emotion and like our emotions, you know, it's not always like so simple. It's not just like, Oh, it's communicating one thing. We are complex individuals and sometimes our emotions are multifaceted and uh, layered and music is a language that can hold space for that layering. I mean, literally, it has mm-hmm. the, the capacity for multiple melodies, which creates a larger harmony, right? And that's really what I'm able to, um, to accomplish with the music, is that I can play something that has both the melancholy of the darker emotions, and I'm honoring them and holding space for them, feeling them. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I can hold space for true ecstasy and joy and beauty and transformation. And, you know, perhaps the darker emotions transmute into that. Um, but certainly the harmonic structure of music, like the harmonic structure of life, you know, we have the capacity to hold space for both and find calm in the counterpoint of both. Mm -hmm. And what a beautiful reminder too, that, as humans and as people, we're, we are multidimensional and our lives move in those rhythms too of highs and lows and, and ups and downs. And it's, I think it's about respecting and honoring where you are at in your own rhythm, in your life too, and, and recognizing that, you know, that's okay. Absolutely. And things do wave through and they have their ups and downs and we and just have to be, you know, just have to honor that and, um, and allow for that, accept it, allow it and not resist it. Because the moment we start resisting it, um, it just actually builds up. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, then we just have to deal with it in another way, in another form. This has been such a really empowering and fun and insightful conversation. And I, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast and really sharing your, your expression through music and the language that you're sharing and communicating with others through both 
mind travel and also just sharing your own experiences. So Murray, thank you so much. Where can everyone find you and connect and learn more and um, start on their own mind travel journey too? Absolutely. So thank you for having me and, and uh, everyone can get more information and the music over at mindtravel.com. So just everything's on mindtravel.com. And then, of course, I'm on Instagram and Facebook as well, but you can find everything on Mind Travel and then go from there. It's probably easiest. Perfect. I'll include everything in the show notes. It'll be really easy for everyone to find you. And thank you so much again. I can't wait to share this. Thank you, Sydney. Awesome. Awesome.